There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello. And welcome to the World Cricket Show, staggering on this week for yet another episode, in spite of absolutely ferocious popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for all tonight's exciting entertainment. And with me in the studio is a man who was recently described by Nick Knight as the poor man's Nick Knight. It's Tony Kerr. I mean, it's an honour even to be on Nick Knight's radar, given how much criticism and stick you've given Nick Knight in the last few weeks. What does it say about this podcast? <laughs> You've gone to me again. I think you're getting better value for money, though. More bang for your buck, for sure. Well, as far as I'm aware, I'm not paying you anything. So, so that's probably true. Yeah. How's it going this week, Oh, Tim? it's going well. Yeah, it's not too bad. Were you disappointed that you were once again snubbed at this year's Oscars? <laughs> your powerful portrayal of a bewildered, out-of-his-depth podcast co-host uh, was overlooked for Best Supporting Actor in favour of some bloke from Django Unchained. Yeah, well, I think what you don't realise is that, you know, I am the next Daniel Day-Lewis and this is all just part of my kind of preparation for my next role. And by next role, I mean my first role, uh, which <laughs> yeah. is going to be, we're going to start filming in about four or five years' time, so just putting in the, the, long, the long hours. What's the film going to be well, called? Well, it's about a podcaster. Sidekick. How to do a Sidekick. podcast. Man, it's going to be called... I might actually be called Pundit. I don't know if there's a film called Pundit, but what a good name that is. Would this make a good movie? Would your life make a good movie, do you think? <laughs> I've, I've thought about this question quite a bit. Take a week of your life. How many minutes would you have to edit it down to to make it interesting? Well, it depends, what I mean. depends what you're trying to do. You could edit it all you like, but you'd be hard pushed to maybe say, like, make an action movie out of my life. Because <laughs> there's not, you know, I've been met many dramatic kind Very of few chase events. Yeah. So, so the way you drive a car, though, does. It comes across like you think you're in a car chase. Yeah. I've never been involved in a car chase in my life. But, as you say, the way I'm driving is kind of just getting ready for, you know, if it does happen, I've got all the skills. <laughs> well, if it does happen, you'll already be travelling at such <laughs> high speed. No one would even be able to kind of latch on. Yeah. Western as well. You couldn't make a Western, really. You'd struggle. Sci-fi. I mean, probably the only thing you could make is kind of just a wistful... I mean, I mean even you'd struggle to do this, but like a kind of wistful like indie... Art house film. Uh, yeah, like slow it'd be a real slow burn the kind of film that my mum would really not like <laughs> basically it could be a big hit though you know you put the right songs over it and i'm imagining yeah that just they'd stitch together all the times where you you go because do you go like when you get a, a break from work or something do you just like drive to the the cliffs or the the beach or something <laughs> not, not just, often. I, guess, I could imagine because i do that sometimes like if i've you know if i've just got like 15 minutes to kill and i'm in my car just go and like sit in a car park for 15 minutes like overlooking the beach and maybe just you know eat like a chocolate bar or something so maybe they could just stitch together <laughs> all of those into some really bleak and depressing <laughs> montage like, with some like shins music or something over the top i'd probably just get i'd get in like maybe 
We're just getting Trent Reznor to do like just do the whole kind of score. I think. Soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should start making my life more like a movie. You'd have to pick a genre, I think. It'd be hard. It would be expensive to pursue more than one, I think. But yeah, the Oscars. No no award for you. Actually, in general, the World Cricket Show didn't get much of a look in. I don't know if you noticed that. All the uh, the huge team of makeup artists and costume designers that we employ here not getting the recognition they deserve, I would say. Perhaps we should think about making this thing visual because that might help with the, you know, because we wear these costumes uh, and, and, and this makeup. Yeah, expensive, cumbersome, time-consuming prosthetics. And we never use the same ones twice. It's always a different theme. Like, it's Cowboys this week. Last week, it was Pirates. But if people can't see it, then I suppose that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? It does help us get into character, though, doesn't it? Because, like, I'm sure listeners will notice that throughout this episode, uh, uh, there'll be a lot of cowboy lingo. No one could have missed the kind of, or failed to notice the swashbuckling nature of my punditry last week. (laughs) Uh, it was very cutthroat, wasn't it? it was... I did cut out a lot of the times you went, ear, <laughs> yeah. so people may not have noticed that. Well, let's just do a cricket. I mean, you could make a movie about anything, can't you? <laughs> let's do a cricket movie. I thought you meant for the show today. I thought that was, I thought that <laughs> was your. I thought that, that was your way of saying, let's stop with these stupid <laughs> cowboy yeah. and pirate jokes. You're like, let's just do cricket shall we (laughs) (laughs) cool what's what's on the show this week adam uh we're going to be taking a trip around the world uh, to discuss india's win over australia in chennai and another win for south africa against pakistan there'll be some england chat looking ahead to the test series in new zealand and i've got some crackerjack side notes for you as well so all that to look forward to but the major headline this week i suppose is that it's cold still isn't it? You came out the gate very quick last week saying it's summer, then it was snowing at the weekend. Do you feel embarrassed by that? I don't know, just well, I'm happy with, with what my decision. I don't get any predictions wrong. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's one <laughs> you kind of got that one wrong. I mean, that's it's, one of them. it's not been colder than this for quite a long time, I would say. Yeah, I don't claim to be a weatherman there, Adam. Uh, yeah, I'm a kind of amateur meteorologist, I guess. Very amateur. <laughs> I mean, like, if there's a scale... You've got to be right at the bottom, because you don't even have I any even instruments have, yeah, yeah, or anything. Exactly. I, just use, I just use the forecast that I'm given. <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of... And then just build upon that to what you actually want it to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like. I throw in a bit of hope, uh, and then I get what I think it's going to be. I know we talk about the weather on this show a lot, but it is literally the only thing that people are talking about in the UK at the moment. Yeah, And all the time, to be fair. Well, I suppose all the time, but particularly right now. People are walking around going, it's cold. Are you cold? I'm cold. Like, that just happens 15 times a day. I mean, it, you, you cannot get away with walking into a room of people and not going, it's freezing out there. <laughs> I mean, you just can't get it. It's not acceptable. That is that's standard etiquette uh, now. It's chilly out. What's the trouble is being a cricket fan in the UK, uh, all summer it rains and you're, you're kind of hoping to watch some cricket and then all winter you're forced to watch cricket in that's played in just beautiful sunshine uh which is really just demoralizing it's depressing it? it's really it? like i'm really sick of seeing new zealand england are playing it cricket in so queenstown nice. this week and it just looks amazing uh and you know i'm there in the, <laughs> in the dark. I mean, something's not right something's gone wrong something's gone badly wrong in my <laughs> life hasn't it it's really annoying yeah <laughs> hey tony it's me adam from the world cricket show Let's start this week with Around the World, on which we talk about things that have been happening around the world. And there's been cricket going on all over the world this week. Eight of the ten test teams are in action at the moment. The only two which aren't are Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. Uh, so you might think that it would be sensible if those two played each other. Well, well, they're one step ahead of you, because uh, they actually will be playing a series soon. Bangladesh are touring Sri Lanka. The first test starts in Gaul on March the 8th. 
But this week we've had the end of the one-day series between New Zealand and England, uh, which we'll talk about a bit later on. We've also had a one-day series in the Caribbean, where Zimbabwe are touring. West Indies ran out very comfortable 3-0 winners there with Johnson Charles, Dwayne Bravo and Ramnaresh Sarwan back in the side after a long absence, the stars of the show. The 2020s and the tests are still to come on that tour. In addition to that, South Africa wrapped up a 3-0 whitewash in their test series at home to Pakistan. Uh, We talked about the second test last week where uh, Pakistan ran the Proteus pretty close. This game in Centurion was a much more one-sided affair uh, with A.B. de Villiers scoring a superb century, Kyle Abbott claiming a remarkable seven-wicket haul on debut and Dale Steyn taking yet more wickets uh, as Pakistan crumbled to defeat by an innings and 18 runs. So that was a disappointing end to a disappointing series for Pakistan, uh, who were ultimately undone by their batsmen's inability to uh, to stand up to the South African quicks. Um, Azhar Ali and Misbar al-Haq both had pretty miserable series. Um, Safraz Ahmed, the wicketkeeper, averaged 13 across the series. Mohamed Hafiz averaged 7 in 6 innings, uh, which for an opening batsman isn't great. <laughs> Uh, he was out four times to Dale Steyn, and against him, he averaged one. Uh, so not brilliant from Hafiz, not brilliant in general from the Pakistan batsman. That was entirely predictable, I guess, uh, but still disappointing. Uh, Pakistan will still feel uh, that they can give South Africa a real run for their money in the return series in the UAE later this year. But this has been a bit of a nightmare tour, a lot less competitive than we were perhaps hoping, apart from in that second game in Cape Town. But that's not really what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is the test match that's been played in Chennai between India and Australia. Australia won the toss, elected to bat first. They made 380. Michael Clark, yet another century for him, 130. And Moses Enriquez on debut with 68. Ravi Ashwin took seven wickets, seven for 103. India in response uh, were in a spot of bother when they lost both openers and were 12 for two. But 81 from Sachin Tendulkar and 107 from Virat Kohli got them back into the game. And then they went way past Australia's total in the end, thanks to an astonishing 224 from 265 balls from the captain, MS Dhoni. Uh, Brilliant knock from him. They were eventually all out for 572. James Pattinson taking 5 for 96. That was the only uh, good stuff from the Australian bowlers. In their second innings, Australia were at one point 161 for eight, staring at an innings defeat. They managed to avoid that thanks to an unbeaten 81 from Enriquez uh, and a bit of wagging from the tail. Uh, But the target they posted of 50 was never likely to be enough. India got there with eight wickets to spare. So a big victory for them. Are you still there, Tony? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've just about made it through. Um, Hopefully you guys did as well. He's still awake. Everyone's still awake. <laughs> it's a great summary. Well, thanks very much. Yeah. Are you really uh, Oscar worthy? Uh, I don't know. Well, let's let the academy decide. If you'd have tied in the hunt for Osama bin Laden <laughs> as well, somewhere along the lines, you know, it's kind of recent history, they like that. Yeah, they lap that up, don't they? <laughs> Any kind of history. So. Uh, but yeah, what was your reaction to this result? Were you surprised to see India win so comprehensively? They've, they've been on a, a quite an appalling run over the last couple of years, as you may well be aware. Australia have been going much better. Uh, well, if you'd listened to me, uh, uh, listen to my stuff, uh, some of my early stuff, and by early I mean the last couple of weeks, you know, I've, I've expected uh, India to win this series. Not <laughs> that they've done that yet. They've only won the first test. But I kind of followed, it kind of followed pretty much as I expected, really. <laughs> To be honest, you're very confident. Uh, you know, yeah, it was pretty comprehensive in the end. Uh, there were some big partnerships uh, in the Indian innings. Donny's knock in particular 
was match winning. But yeah, I don't know. Australia kind of did okay in parts. They uh, they got off the hook a bit, didn't they, in the first innings? It could have been much worse, probably for them. There are some positives to take from it, but I think India will just run out kind of comfortable winners in this series. I know that you predicted uh, that India would win this series, so you think it's following. Um, so you think it's going as expected. I predicted a draw. I mean, obviously that could still happen, but I think it's probably fair to say that the Australian public and media maybe saw this as a fantastic opportunity for Australia to win in India because of what's happened to India over the last couple of years. Obviously, they lost 4-0 the last time these two sides met, albeit in very, very different conditions. India have just been beaten in India by England. I'm sure there would have been a feeling that this is a a brilliant time to play India. Um, Now, obviously, there's three tests to go, but maybe they'll have just been a little bit disappointed with the way they played in this game. To have been beaten so convincingly perhaps suggests that there's a a bit of a gulf between these teams in in these conditions. Based on yeah, based on what's happened in the last eighteen months, uh, there's probably not a better opportunity to be playing India. Uh, but then again, Australia, I think, are still they've still got a way to travel. You know, they're not they're not the finished article at all. They, I think they'll they'll be hoping to do somewhat better in the remainder of the series, and I'm, I expect them to do to have a fair amount of improvement in the next test. And obviously, England lost the first test of their series as well, so it would be foolish to to write off Australia on the basis of this this one defeat in the first game. Obviously, it's very, very difficult to acclimatise to India because the conditions are so different. I'm sure they will get better as the series goes on. And actually, uh, if you're looking for parallels with the England series, this test did follow quite a similar pattern to the first test of that England series in Ahmedabad with Australia fighting back towards the end of their second innings. But it was just too little too late and they left India with a fourth innings chase that was very small. Quite similar test matches. Australia will be hoping that 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 continues, that the rest of the series pans out in a similar way to the way that the England series did. The trouble is, I'm not sure that Australia are as good a cricket team as England are. Mm. Uh, and while I've no doubt that Australia will improve as the series goes on, um, I'm not sure that it will be enough necessarily. Well, even Tendulkar got runs, didn't he? I mean, he, he did get, he did put one knock together. Even Tendulkar, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they, you know, even Sachin was able to score freely against the... Uh, even a man attack. with the most <laughs> test runs and test centuries in history was able to score runs against this Australian attack. Yeah, I mean, they could only get him out once. Well, yeah, but he only batted about 10 balls or It'd something. It'd be a worry, though, for them. And then, you know, Dhoni and Dhoni and Kohli, you know, Kohli had a nightmare against England, bagged himself 100 already. So, I don't know, it could be fully boots time, couldn't it, for the <laughs> Indian batsman at this rate. But then again... Like you say, Australia should do slightly better than that. Well, one thing that I think Australia could do to give themselves a bit more of a chance is to rethink their selection. They rehashed the mistake that England made in Ahmedabad uh, by picking a a pace-heavy attack for seam bowlers in the side. In a way, it is an understandable ploy. You're thinking India are going to hit us with spin because that's their strength, so let's hit them with pace because that's our strength. Uh, But it doesn't really work because those conditions are so spin-friendly that you... You just have to adapt and uh, and play two spinners. At the very least, India played three. After Ahmedabad, England reacted to their mistake and they rectified it. They brought in a second spinner. The Australian coaches are making noises that they will do the same thing. But again, the problem for Australia is that they just don't have quite the same quality as England. You know, England were able to bring in Monty Panazar, who's one of the best spin bowlers in the world. Who are Australia going to bring in? They've got a choice between Xavier Doherty or Glenn Maxwell. Uh, and I'm not sure either of those are test class, let alone world class spin bowlers. I mean, even their their number one spinner, Nathan Lyon, 
uh, went for uh, went for something like 240 runs in the game you know, and was absolutely taken to the cleaners by Doney at times. I don't think Lyon's a bad bowler, but he's not Graham Swan. And that is a huge problem for Australia. Not only is pace bowling their strongest suit, but it's their strongest suit by miles. You know, the, the batting is a bit vulnerable. The spin cupboard is light. And those are the two things that really need covered. to be strong if you if you want to win in India. I mean, it is, it, it's an interesting thing. You'd have thought, you'd expect, given that Warren is kind of arguably the greatest Australian cricketer uh, of all time and just such a legend uh, and a, such a character, if you like, it's surprising that not more kids have uh, attempted to emulate him and, and kind of achieved it, not achieved, you know, not emulated him in, in practice, but have at least become decent spinners. Maybe they're all too scared. Maybe they don't, you know, they've been told, oh, you'll never be as good as Warren. So chuck it down quick. I do know what you mean. It is slightly surprising that, you know, the best leg spinner Australia have got at the moment is Steve Smith, <laughs> um, who basically gets picked for the side because he's a funny bloke. Um, yeah, it is odd that there aren't more spinners around in Australia because you'd think, you know, this is the sort of time when well, kids be who, coming who through, grew yeah. up with Warren um, as their hero would be coming through. Yeah, you're right. They're, they're never, you know, they're never going to produce another Warren. But you'd think there'd be better spin balls. I mean, part of the problem is that people are constantly compared to Warren, and they're never going to be as good. So I think Nathan Horitz was actually a pretty decent bowler, but he was eventually discarded because people got frustrated with the fact that he wasn't running through teams in the way that Shane Warren used to. The same is probably true of Nathan Lyon. I think he's a very useful bowler. I think he is Test class, but he's only Test class in the way that Robin Peterson or Ashley Giles or someone like that. A test class, you know, there he's a capable bowler, but he's not, you know, he's not going to. He's not a match winner. He's not a match winner, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, you know, comparing the kind of the comparing the, the the bowling returns in this match, you know, Sharma didn't take a wicket, and even Ashwin took wickets. Yeah. <laughs> he did. What did he get? Twelve. He got or something? twelve in the match. You know, yeah. he didn't take a fiver against England. Uh, he bowled pretty series. terribly yeah. against England, yeah. And he's just, you know, he's, he's just it's buffet wickets for him. <laughs> you know, it's a wicket buffet against Australia in his first match. So I don't know, you know, if he has a good series. It's not just a buffet, it's like a Las Vegas buffet, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's really just gorgeous so you can't even move <laughs> yeah. anymore. Bowl as many overs as you want and take as many wickets as you can <laughs> carry, basically. And all the other wickets were shared between uh, Jadeja and Habijan. So it's so it's clearly, you know... Yeah, spin it's is, telling you something, isn't it's, it? It's really, spin is what you want. And so it is a real problem for Australia um, if they want to win this series. Because India are going to now look at the first test and think, right, we need to prepare really, really turning tracks for the, for the next three games. They tried that against England and it massively backfired because England had better spinners than they did but here there's no doubt that India have better spinners than Australia I mean they could have probably helped themselves a bit more by taking some better spinners on the tour I think there are better spinners than this um, in Australia certainly better spinners than Doherty Steve O'Keefe probably deserves a go in the test team or at least have been taken on the tour so possibly some selection errors might end up costing them but I mean there were some positive stories to come out of this game from an Aussie perspective Michael Clark is just a ridiculous batsman uh, and yet another hundred, um, yet another very important hundred. I mean, in the end, they lost the game, so it wasn't that important. But at the time, it was an extremely important hundred. Moses Enriquez on debut. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. He was uh, born in Portugal. Indeed. Yeah. And it's Moses, but there's an I in there as well. Moises. So, yeah. <laughs> Moises. Like, sounds, like, sounds like Jackie Gleason. <laughs> Moises. You know, Jackie Gleason, you know, he talks like that, you know. <laughs> over here, over there, you know. Uh, but I've, I heard the comment, like, all the commentators were pronouncing his last name differently as well. So there was, I heard Henriques, Henriquez, Enriquez. 
Enrique's, and I think Shane Warne at one point called him Enrique's. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm not quite sure he pronounced that. I'm going to go with Enrique's. Yeah, he made runs in both innings anyway. Which is good. Good stuff him. on debut. Um, they got a wicket as well. So, yeah, some encouraging things there. And this Test Series is far from over. There are three whole Test matches to go, an awful lot of cricket still to be played. Um, I'm sure the Aussies will regroup. They'll come back hard. And their opponents haven't become a, a world-class team overnight. You know, lots of the problems are still there, particularly the dodgy fielding, the lack of depth in the bowling. Those things might become more apparent as the series goes on, as the players get tired, as Australia become more confident against the likes of Ashwin. So I certainly wouldn't rule out an Aussie comeback, but just at the moment it looks like a tough ask. On the subject of India, there's a terrific performance from them. The whole nation's going to be breathing a, a sigh of relief after a, a pretty torrid few months, and by few I mean a lot of months. <laughs> Um, the crowd in Chennai were, were certainly getting excited. It was a, a great crowd in there, wasn't it? Yeah. Chennai famously is a, a test-loving city, so um, it's quite bizarre and, and pretty disappointing that this is the first test that it's hosted since 2008. There, there are issues with the way uh, the BCCI allocate test matches. There seem to be tests in places like Nagpur all the time when no one turns up, and then Chennai we do get full stands you know they have to wait four or five years for a test match i appreciate that india is a big country and there's a lot of people to please uh you know it's hard enough in england uh where you know a test ground really isn't very far away from anyone uh it's hard enough to kind of keep all the all the kind of burgeoning ambitious test venues uh happy uh but yeah the bcci have just got to do better haven't they with that they've got to be a bit more thoughtful yeah for sure i mean it's it is such a big country there are so many venues that it is difficult um, but there are a lot of international games. There's no problem with moving um, ODIs and T20s around. But in a country where it's quite difficult to get people to come and watch Test cricket, you'd think that if there are places where they can do that, then it seems bizarre from their perspective that they wouldn't want to host as many Test matches as possible in those places because you'd, you'd think that's where you know they'd maximise their revenue. And somewhere like Bangalore is also very famous for loving Test cricket. There are eight marquee tests against England and Australia this winter and Bangalore didn't get one. So just, like, there's just something quite peculiar about the way they do it. And you, you do wonder um, whether the process is um, entirely transparent and um, entirely above board. Yeah, um, I, mean, I do appreciate the difficulty then. It is, you know, you'd, uh, you'd say or you'd presume that the, uh, the process in England is transparent, but still, you know, summers go by, Old Trafford doesn't get a test. I don't know. It, oh, for sure. And, you know, Cardiff getting yeah. the, the first Ashes test in 2009 was a, was a bit of a scandal at the time, wasn't I mean, it? I, I don't know where I stand on it, really. I haven't settled on either side. I'm not saying that places like Cardiff shouldn't get test cricket. That is what it sounds like. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that before people start writing in. But You wouldn't move the Wimbledon tennis championships around, would you? No, absolutely. I mean, that's slightly different because that's always in the same yeah, place, but, but I, I mean, do know you, what you mean. Yeah. Should they have just, should the ECB have, uh, you know, a few years ago, kind of just said, well, this is this is going to be forever unless you do something seriously bad, uh, like produce an awful pitch uh, or, you know, fail to stop the bar sufficiently. Uh, <laughs> you know, to these five test venues, you, know, the, you are the test venues. There you go. Well, yes and no. I mean, I suppose you've got to keep them on their toes so that they don't end up um, they need to be, doing yeah, something bad. Because places like, I mean, Old Trafford and Headingley both had serious problems. That the fact that the Rose Bowl and um, the Swalek Stadium and, and places and Chester Street have come along means that they've had to improve. So competition is a good thing, but 
you'd think that the biggest test matches need to be played in the in the places where they're going to be most well received i mean it's a little bit like uh on a much smaller scale but it's a little bit like choosing where um the olympics is going to be you know it needs to be in 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 the right place you can't just sort of say well oh, um, the olympics have never been held in swindon before so you know we'll take it to the people of swindon you know it's got to be in one of the great cities of the world because that's where it's going to be best received yeah. i mean i'm stretching that analogy a little bit somewhat but but i think you know valid. what i mean uh where were we yeah back to india how about that innings from Dhoni? um answered a few of his critics there didn't he including me uh had a very poor series against england a lot of people were beginning to um, question whether he should be the captain anymore whether he should be the team anymore but he produced a knock that was only eight here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Runs off the highest ever test score by a wicketkeeper. Andy Flower has that record still, but, but he got pretty close to it. It was a blistering innings. Reminiscent of a young MS Dhoni, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, it was like winding back the clock a bit, wasn't it? Because uh, he has struggled, and it, I don't know. It was yeah, it was good to see. Uh, you have six sixes in it as well. It was it was all guns blazing. Oh, it's thrilling, thrilling innings. Yeah, and I mean, the, it's after a terrible run of personal form and a terrible run of team form that captains need to sort of stand up and, and show you what they're made of. And uh, he's doing that. He did that in this game. Uh, still no hundred for Sachin, but he did bat much more fluently than he has for a long time. Do you think this might be his last series? I know you haven't actually spoken to him about it for a while, yeah. but last time you did, yeah, I mean, was he giving any indications <laughs> whether this might be his last series? Uh, well, I don't know. He keeps, he keeps it all very close, you know? We just chat about other things. He doesn't really like to talk about cricket, mate. He's got to talk about politics and stuff. Talk about Geordie Shaw. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's possible. I don't know. It'd be a shame if he bows out without at least getting one more hundred. Uh, but then again, you know, if if he contributes to an India series win, then that's as good a, over Australia. That's possibly as good a good a way as any to go out. Yeah, you want him to retire on a on a high, don't you? You know, he's obviously such a legend of of the game. It would be a shame for him to kind of limp out in the in the type of desperate form that he's been in for the last couple of years. So it'd be great if he could get a hundred or maybe a couple of hundreds because he hasn't scored a test hundred for more than a two. Hundreds might be asking. For <laughs> that's true, but yeah, he hasn't scored a test hundred for more than two years now. Mind you, if he does have a brilliant series and scores 100 or 200s or 300s, he might think, oh, I'd better carry on. Now I'm in form, I'll, I'll make up for lost time. Yeah, so. it's, yeah, it's difficult to weigh up, isn't it? Like, would you, yeah, be like, I've, wait, you know, I've spent two years trying to get my form back and now I'm going to chuck it all in after I scored one good 100. Yeah, it's an interesting point. It's a bit like you when, um, after you scored that run, 
<laughs> following your sequence of 13 consecutive ducks. At that point, did you think, well, I should call it a day now? Or did it make you think, well, now I've got this run, maybe next time I go, I might get two or three? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, I saw it as something to build on. You know, I was very much a different age to Tendulkar <laughs> and a different, you know, I'd had a different kind of career up to date. But also kind of towards the end of your career, in a sense. Well, very similar. I've started, yeah, I did start my career much like Tendulkar's ending it, really. <laughs> it's just awful thoughts. The beginning, middle and end of your career were quite a lot like Tendulkar's yeah, ending Yeah, I've got it. better though, to be fair. Uh... I mean, he is, he is getting on a bit, though, isn't he? Or was he 39? He's 39. So it's... And he's almost 40, to be fair. He's going to be 40 uh, before the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not going to bother doing the maths. Before this time next day. year, <laughs> yeah. he'll be 40. It's funny, isn't it, the way uh, people talk about sportsmen in relation to their age? Because Tendulkar is seen very much as an old man. <laughs> he's 39. But in any other walk of life, if someone's 39... In politics, that would be like he'd still wet behind the ears, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it is odd. Like people are like, oh, his knees are creaking. You know, the eyes have gone. England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. Now, England are gearing up for their test series in New Zealand, which starts on March the sixth. Uh, they completed a two-one victory in the One Day International series by winning the last match in Auckland. A brilliant bowling performance. They skittled New Zealand for 185. Steve Finn taking three for 27. Uh, and that was never going to be enough on a pitch which looked like it would have been something like 320, 330 would have been a pass score. Uh, 185, not good enough. And uh, England got there with five wickets in hand. Quite a weird post-match presentation. Did you see this? I didn't know. I didn't see that. Uh, the, the, basically, the, the captains weren't interviewed, you know, in the in the... The usual way where the Mike Atherton or Simon Dool or whoever it is um, stands there with the mic. Uh, that didn't happen. The captains were just called up one by one and they just stood in front of a microphone and gave speeches. It was a bit like the Oscars. Like Alistair <laughs> Cook started like, thanking his mum and dad and you know, that kind of stuff. I'm not entirely sure why they decided to do that. I've never seen that at a cricket match before. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, on the field, it was, a, it was a superb display with the ball from England. They had New Zealand 18 for three after the first 10 overs. New Zealand never coming back from that. Huh? <laughs> New Zealand ain't never coming back from that. <laughs> New Zealand ain't never going to come back from that. Uh, and actually, uh, England were brilliant with the ball all series. If you were a New Zealand fan, Tane, which thank God you're not, but if you were... Um, how nervous would you be, do you think, looking at the way that this one-day series went and how good England's bowlers were and how much New Zealand struggled to cope with England's bowlers? Once they go into test cricket, you know, Red Bull, probably even more bowler-friendly pitches, can you see that New Zealand batting lineup being able to stand up to uh, England's attack? Not massively. Yeah, I'd be slightly thankful that it's only three tests. That's the first thing, isn't it? Uh, you know, it can't be 4-0. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. Uh, or 5-0. Or 5 0 for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to write New Zealand off, but uh, I don't think they're going to win a test match, are they? <laughs> so, that kind of is right. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to write them off, but. It's possible that 3 0 will be the result. That, I mean, that doesn't seem fair, though, does it? But, you know, Finn Anderson, I think Broad will come good. Do you think it will be Broad? Because I'm not sure that um, England have necessarily decided what the exact makeup of their attack is going to be. Although saying that, I would be surprised if it's not Stuart Broad. They've made him vice captain. Um, you know, they obviously really like him, and he has been brilliant for England for a long time. But they love him, don't they? They do love him, uh, and he was brilliant for a long time before he um, 
his form dropped off in the second half of last year. Um, so I'd be surprised if it's not broad, but I would be quite tempted to play Graham Onions because, you know, he's absolutely tailor-made for these conditions, isn't he? You might say he's cut out for these conditions. You'd expect him to dice through the uh, New Zealand batting, wouldn't you? With some sizzling displays. Yeah, <laughs> there would be tears all around, I think. Unless they're wearing goggles. This is because of... Onion goggles. The joke we're making <laughs> yeah. is because his name's Onions. It's not a great... It's. I mean, yeah. It's the gift that keeps on giving that, isn't it? Because uh, <laughs> since he first came into the team four years ago, uh, we've been able to make that joke again and again. So I think it probably will be Stuart Broad, though, which is a bit of a shame, because I'd like to see Onions given a go. But whoever it is, with Finn and Anderson there as well, you know, that is a very, very good seam attack. Um, Graham Swan there providing support, just sort of tying up an end while they rotate. New Zealand have got a very good attack as well. Tim Southey took three for 48 in this one-day international. I think he's a terrific bowler. Doug Brace was going to come in as well, and he's a very good test bowler. The New Zealand attack is good, uh, but England's is better, and moreover, England's batting is considerably better. And that's really the point, isn't it? Is that however good New Zealand's attack is, you'd expect England's batsmen to cope with it to a certain extent, whereas I'm not sure that New Zealand's batting is going to be able to cope with England's bowling. Yeah, I mean, without being disrespectful to New Zealand, clearly England at the moment are a much better test outfit. And almost more suited to these conditions than New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, just they must love, I think they'll love it. They'll just be having a ball, won't they? It would be a major shock if New Zealand were able to pull off anything more than a whitewash. Well, we'll do a full preview of the test series next week. That's um, just to kind of whet your appetite there. Well, I think you've kind of shown your hand because I was going to ask you for a prediction, but I think you're going for a 3-0. Well, you know, I don't I don't make my predictions till the very last minute. <laughs> I like to see all the, consider all the facts. You like to hear you like to says. hear my arguments, thing. You <laughs> yeah. like to hear both sides of the argument, which I will present. Basically, yeah, as you present the argument, I'm just totting up, weighing up kind of what you're gonna predict out of it. And then I go there first, kind of <laughs> kind of gazump you on it. The side notes now on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. Uh, I've got a couple of side notes here for you, Tane. This first one comes from The Guardian. Now, it's a, it's an unorthodox side note, in a way, but uh, there's just one part of it that, uh, that I wanted to focus on. It's headlined, A cricket trip to Jamaica by British MPs pays big dividends. Sneering at our MPs has become such fun, we're in danger of forgetting the good they can do when they get out into the world. Everyone knows Jamaica punches well above its weight in sport, but the puzzle of how it does so only starts to make sense after you spend time on the island. I first met a Jamaican called Ronnie 13 years ago in a remote fishing village called Treasure Beach. Ronnie had never been abroad, he'd never even read a foreign newspaper. After talking to him for 15 minutes, it was clear that Ronnie did not just know more about UK Premier League football than most Fleet Street sports journalists. He was an inexhaustible authority on pretty much every competitive sport in the world, from US baseball to junior Mexican women's netball. To this day, if you're after an obscure sports statistic, it's quicker to ask Ronnie than Google. And yet, until recently, Ronnie's village cricket team played on a goat field, while the beach doubled up as the football pitch. Last week, Ronnie played a 2020 cricket match on an emerald green wicket in the heart of Treasure Beach. Ronnie came on and hit a six. Later, he bowled out one of the visitors' three former England internationals, Philip De Freitas, I wanted to, <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to come back on this. Out, this story's going nowhere. I want to no, come back on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no real achievement bowling Phil De Freitas out, so well, just carry, well, on. carry on. Hang on, we'll come back carry on, on His team's victory was celebrated with red stripe, jerk chicken and an ear-splitting reggae sound system long into the night. It will live in Ronnie's memory forever. The bizarre thing is the visiting team, responsible for electrifying his whole village, would rather you didn't hear about it. Basically, the team is made up of 
British MPs. Uh, now, the rest of the article... And Phil De Freitas. And a few England internationals, three former England internationals, including Phil De Freitas. Now, the rest of the article is kind of boring. Uh, it just sort of bangs on about MPs for a while. Uh, so, yeah, not especially interesting. Boring, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to come back on the thing of uh, uh, of bowling out Philip De Freitas. Now, I'm not sure that I've ever told this story on here before. It's reminiscent of something that happened in my life, uh, <laughs> basically, when we were kids. I think we were probably about... 11 years old at the time 12 maybe phil de freitas came over with a, a couple of other county pros almost certainly nixon nixon was probably there because he was here all the time yeah he obviously like did nick knight come at one point i don't remember nick knight coming over it, well anyway yeah certainly phil de freitas was there they were just doing a bit of coaching uh, and it was in a, a winter net session you know we'd done some drills we got in the nets uh, and phil de freitas picked up a bat and he went down the other end and he said if anyone can bowl me out I'll give them a thousand pounds. I bowled him out, and I was like, "Oh, that'll be. Can I have my thousand pounds there, please, <laughs> Phil?" And he went, "No," and that was it. <laughs> so he he, uh, he reneged on his promise. If you're listening, Phil, you owe me a grand. I haven't forgotten. You now owe the world cricket share grand because <laughs> uh, all your income has to go through this. Is that true? I knew I shouldn't have. Sign that, <laughs> yeah. sign that contract that you handed me. But I mean, yeah, well, I wondered why you had that shady you, accountant, Ronnie. Everyone's bowling fill out the. You know, it's, it can't be that difficult. <laughs> uh, I've got one other side note for you this week, Tane, and it comes from. So, I don't know how I've managed to get wiggle my way out of actually providing side notes. I know. Well, a long, a long time <laughs> no, you, ago, yeah, yeah. a long time ago, I realised that you never did. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was often a little bit awkward because I go the side notes now over to you, Tony, and then you'd go. Ah, yeah, and that would be it. We get away with it for too long. But anyway, the second one that I've got this week comes from the week. Lionel Messi messes up as he has a crack at cricket. Barcelona star fails to impress with bizarre bowling action and strange batting technique. Lionel Messi may be the greatest footballer on the planet, but he has some way to go before he can claim to have got the hang of cricket. The Barcelona star appears in a bizarre new advert for a herbal supplement in which he tries his hand at the English sport, apparently hitting sixes with ease and redefining the rules governing bowling. The advert, presumably aimed at an Indian audience, features the Argentinian wearing a full football kit, taking on another player on a floodlit pitch as a group of children look on. Messi starts off by trying his hand at batting and takes to the crease without pads, gloves, helmet and possibly a box. Displaying a very rudimentary technique, he manages to hit his first ball through the offside for four, yet appears disappointed. He dispatches the next ball for six over what cricket fans would call cow corner. And despite the agricultural nature of the shot and a complete lack of footwork, Messi seems happy. He then has a go at bowling, but his action, involving a crooked arm and no delivery stride, is quite clearly illegal. And after being hit for six by his opponent, Messi decides to rely on his footballing skills and somehow delivers a wicked off-break from his boot, which bowls the batsman round his legs. The reaction to the ad has been one of bemusement in most quarters, it looks very unlikely that the Barcelona star will be trading La Liga for Lords anytime soon, notes the Daily Mail, while TalkSport suggests that he sticks to the day job. So there you go, Tane. You've seen that, haven't you? Because I posted it on your Facebook wall. Yeah. Is it the worst advert ever made, would you say, that advert? No, I wouldn't think so. I've <sighs> I can't seen worse. think of many worse. worse. I mean, there's, there's numerous peculiarities with it. Uh, why is it so quiet? You know, <laughs> it's well, really the kids odd. are silent. Right? There's no, they don't make any noise. You know, you think they're being well. They're visibly in raptures, kind of. 
but yet they make no audible noise. It is very weird. I have a look at this. I've posted it on the World Cricket Show Facebook page. It's such a bizarre advert. It's completely silent the whole way through, isn't it? Apart from yeah. the sound of ball hitting bat, which doesn't actually sound like a cricket ball hitting a cricket Maybe bat. Maybe it's like it's specifically designed for like late night where you know they're trying to not wake anyone up. Or something. I don't know. I'd love to have been in the room when they came up with the idea for that advert. Like, what was the thought process? Well, I think though with these kind of adverts where they've yeah you know, they've spent all the budget on the kind of the talent and the star uh they've got no budget left for writing a good advert but it is bizarre you know there was that nike one that ran for ages with uh tiger federer and Henri. yeah followed gillette was gillette Gillette. yeah and it was absolutely it was just all you know you've got three superstars of sport and you've just wasted it yeah they're they're just there like it's all grinning at each other Basically, Gillette like, huh? Yeah. Huh? Hey, did we get these guys or what? Uh, but yeah, this one's this is bizarre. But this is what's odd about this is that you'd think if they have splashed all that money on Messi, they they would just get him standing in front of the camera, just going, huh? But they've written this really weird kind of plot where he meets a silent guy at night, at night, dark. and plays one-on-one cricket against him. And this no advert raises so many questions. It's in a baseball stadium. Why are they in a baseball stadium? Who are those children? And what are they doing? What, out what so are late? they doing? Yeah. Where are their parents? Yeah. Messi's chucking it. Also, uh, and then he, when he finally resorts to kicking it, you know, Flintoff. Yeah, when Flintoff kicks a cricket ball, you know, he doesn't really flinch. But Messi with some, you know, lightweight football boots on, he'd be he'd be wincing. Oh yeah, especially smashing a cricket ball twenty two yards. yards exactly with accuracy as well and pace. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that's very realistic. Good to see cricket getting on you know, the adverts, isn't it? Well, it is, but it doesn't paint it in a particularly great <laughs> way, though, does it? You wouldn't even recognise it as cricket, really. Yeah, you'd think if, you know, if people in Spain or Argentina or wherever are watching this, oh, let's see, let's see my hero Lionel Messi in uh, in this new advert. Oh, he's going to be playing cricket. I wonder what that's like. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be. They're not going to be too impressed. It's a weird it, sport think. that's played with no just kids in the crowd. Played at night, night in yeah. silence, yeah. one on one. Much like the UK's AAA credit rating, this episode of the World Cricket Show is history. You had fun tonight, Tone. Yeah, it's been really good. Have you read that book yet? Then come on, here we go. Uh, you gave yourself two weeks, and that was three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've looked at it. I've looked at it. I've glanced at it. I just have to say though, there's not been. You know, I've not been met with kind of many positive reviews of the book from people. Well, this is true. Words like turgid, rubbish have come out. But, you know, it has put me off slightly, Adam. Uh, so it's just, it hasn't put me off entirely. It's just set me back. I just want to take in maybe some more of a different reviews, some positive ones maybe, and then I'll start. I mean, you, know. you could just read it for yourself and make up your own mind. But uh, I prefer to I mean, just... basically, for people who aren't aware, yeah, Tony famously doesn't read books. His New Year's resolution was to read a book a week. He hastily downgraded that to to read a book. And yeah, a few weeks ago, I presented him with the book Netherland uh, by Joseph O'Neill, uh, which is a novel involving cricket. Yeah, he reckoned it would take him two weeks to read. It's three weeks later. And he hasn't started it yet, which is... A... I've been really busy, though. <laughs> well, I've been way too busy to read. I don't know if that can be true. Um, I think you're just a bit... Are you a bit nervous about it? Because you think it might be a bit highbrow, <laughs> a bit intellectual. and A I... bit difficult. I, I was a bit concerned about that, and I thought, okay, maybe, yeah, it is a bit highbrow. So I thought we could just forget that. Um, you brought another one. Yeah, we'll forget that one. We'll start you off with something a little bit easier. Uh, so I brought something with me. This is Topsy and Tim. Uh, is it about cricket? Little Lost Rabbit, it's called. Do you want me to read a bit to you? No, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, that's it. I could read that tonight, probably, I think. <laughs> well, it's only about seven pages. Who's, which one's Topsy? 
<laughs> it's a boy and a girl, and one of them is called Tim. <laughs> Mate, so what do you reckon? 21st century. This is one of those books that's like, oh, it's like all full of innuendo because it's been written by an adult. The first part, it starts when Topsy and Tim looked out of the window on Wednesday morning. Don't know why it's a Wednesday. They saw a black and white rabbit nibbling their marigolds. Uh, there's something, there's something, there's a dark subtext to that, I think. I'm not sure that there is. Topsy and Tim heard the doorbell ring. They ran downstairs and opened the front door. Mr. Fenn, who lived next door, was there holding the rabbit. Look what I found, he said. Done this before. The rabbit looked at Topsy and Tim and wiggled his nose. I could go on. I mean, it's just, it's filth, isn't it? It's pure, yeah, I don't like it at all. I'm not happy. I brought another option for you as well. Right, thanks. This is one of a series of books. It's quite a long series. There's plenty for you to get your teeth into. This one's called Mr. Happy. Um, <laughs> right. it's, uh, it's part of a series called The Mr. Men. On the other side of the world, where the sun shines hotter than here, and where the trees are 100 feet tall, there is a country called Happy Land. Like, are you just te- is this like Queenstown all over again? You're just teasing me. <laughs> yeah. With, like, yeah. Well, yeah, it goes on, as you might very well expect. Everybody who lives in Happy Land is as happy as the day is long. Wherever you go, you see smiling faces all round. It is such a happy place that even the flowers seem to smile in Happy Land. Wow, it's a idyllic, isn't it? And then you're there at home, miserable, <laughs> in the dark on the sofa watching cricket. <sighs> did you read the Mister Men when you were a kid? I don't think I did actually. Did I, I probably did, to be fair, but I don't remember it. The Mister Men were great. I don't remember it. The TV show as well. What a lot of Mister Men there are. I wonder which one we should be meeting next. I was going to bring... I brought Mr. Happy. I thought about bringing... I was, I was, what I was going to do was make it a, a gag. Right. I was going to bring... Oh, this one will be good for you. Mr. Wrong. <laughs> that was one I thought would be good for me. Mr. Tool. Eh? Am I right? Uh, Mr. I don't know. No. no. I don't think I've really ever read those. Did Mr. Men I didn't read Topsy and Tim, that's for sure. Maybe you could read these for next week, Tony. I'll try. I'll try. It's, pro- so it's possibly more realistic than. Uh, I do think like these Netherland. adult books could learn something from the kids' books. Just shorter, bigger, like bigger words. <laughs> uh, yeah, just more. If they want you to read them, shorter and bigger words is what they need. I mean, it is true. You are right that listeners have been getting in touch with us left, right, and centre to say that Netherland is not a very good book. A very slow read, says Clara White. A turgid read with very little cricket says Andrew Layard. We should put these on the back of the book, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it doesn't sound great, and I can understand why you'd be a bit put off by that. And in a way, I kind of don't want you to read it, because if it isn't very good, you're going to be put off reading, aren't you? And it yeah. pains me that you don't read. It's like if someone said, oh, I don't watch movies, or I don't listen to music. There's a whole yeah, medium that you're though. missing I'm out it, on. Yeah, I'm on it, I'm, I'm getting... I will be on it. I'll, okay, I'll find you something good. No, I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll I will find it, something it, good. It, it, it may it, not it, involve it, cricket. I could get I could get you the Glory Gardens series. Yeah, that was good. Uh, but anyway, well, if anyone knows of any novels uh, that are about cricket and are actually good, I suppose let us know. Yeah, that'd be nice. And uh, we'll get Tony to read them. Anyway, that's about it for this week. Uh, we're going to be back in a week's time uh, to preview the test series between New Zealand and England and a whole heap more besides as well, I'm sure. But between now and then, if you want to get more involved in the World Cricket Show, then go onto the internet, write a review for us on iTunes. That's probably the best thing that you can do. Thank you to everyone who's been doing that lately. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. We post things on there, don't we? Post photos from time to time, videos, links to things uh, around the web. You can follow us on Twitter as well. That's at cricket show. You can follow Tony at Tony Cover, T-O-N-Y-C-V. 
double R. I think I've tweeted as recently as last week. <laughs> so, yeah, get involved. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you go onto our online website, that's www.cricketshow.net, uh, on there you're able to purchase World Cricket Show t-shirts if you feel like supporting the show or if you just want a great garment. They're just £15, and that includes free shipping to anywhere in the world. And thanks to the plummeting value of sterling, uh, they're cheaper now than they've ever been before if you live overseas. Yeah, don't miss out. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's all for tonight. Stay in school, gang. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, take it easy. All. Bye for now. I can smell your fear. Do you want to know some people who are 39? <laughs> right, okay. Well, from the world of sport? Or? Just the, from the world. Uh, none of those are people I know at the moment. Oh, hang on. Akon is currently 39. Akon. Ben Fogel. Beverly Knight. I think Enriquez, yeah. Enriquez Inglésias. Um, uh, how's that song go? Okay? Uh, I'm not going to sing it. I can't uh, uh, kiss you. <laughs> 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 Stop there. <laughs> Halt. Now we're stamp. Yeah. yeah, you gotta stop. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.